0: Amen. Well, this morning is our last world tour morning. This year's world tour journey has has focused on us being obedient with the focus on the word be in the middle of obedient. How can we be more and more like Jesus in our daily lives and actions? So two weeks ago, we were challenged to be his heart. Right? To learn to love people the way that Jesus loves them. We're encouraged to live with true empathy, to put ourselves in somebody's situation, to put ourselves in their shoes for a moment, to hurt the way they hurt, just as Jesus would, and to love them the way that Jesus loves them. We will then, once we learn how to be his heart, we'll know how to be his hands. Because then we'll be ready. we'll be ready to help each other be well and be whole. We'll be ready to help the world around us be well and be whole. Maybe we'll be ready to let others around us help us be well and be whole. So now this morning we take our third and final step in this journey of obedience. And we learn how to be his voice this morning. And and this profound calling from God to be his voice really sets the foundation for why we do anything outside the walls of this building right? As disciples of of Jesus, we're called to care deeply for those around us. We're called to give ourselves away sacrificially for those who are poor, right? Who can't afford a home like we're going to do at the pig roast today. For those who, who don't have food on their table like we're doing with our food drive. To care for those who are oppressed. And we're called to care for those who are being discriminated against. For those who are being taken advantage of for those who are disenfranchised or discarded, the prisoners, the disabled, the sick. Okay, but we don't do all of those things simply to be nice people, simply to be good people. And I certainly hope we aren't doing those things in our lives so that we will get the glory. Instead, We love and we serve in Jesus' name to this world. We point to Jesus. We point to him. And that means our loving actions that we do must go hand in hand with our loving words. They must go hand in hand with the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, we're called not only to do, but to speak as well. To be Jesus' voice to a world or to a neighbor or to a friend who desperately needs to hear who Jesus is and how much Jesus loves him. You know, when we talk together about being disciples sent out into this world, we most often turn to Matthew chapter 28. In fact, take out your Bibles, if you would. Turn to Matthew 28. It's found on page 811. Matthew 28, we turn here because it's the Great Commission, right? Jesus gives his remaining 11 disciples this command, and he sends them out into the world in his name. It's the final command that Jesus gives to his followers. And so it's fitting that we hear that, this final calling. Start at verse 16 with me of Matthew 28. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Okay, hold on to to your Bible right there for a moment. That's a profound calling. It's fitting that we go there, that we hear Jesus saying, the last words he says to us are, go, go into this world and tell them all about me. And so when we talk about being sent, we often turn to this passage. But what we forget often is that the disciples were sent by Jesus earlier as well. They're sent here at the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry. But they are also sent at the very beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. Turn back a few pages in Matthew with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, page 790. At the end of chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, it really sets us up for chapter 10. You see, so far in ministry, Jesus has been ministering on his own. His earthly ministry has just begun. He has his 12 disciples around him, but mostly they have just been following him, watching, listening, learning. Jesus is the one who's been teaching. Jesus is the one who's been healing. And he looks out over the crowds and he realizes that there's so much more. There's so many people needing him and longing him, longing for him. And so at the end of chapter 9, he looks at them in the middle of verse 37, and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. And the very next thing we see at the beginning of chapter 10 is Jesus huddled up with his 12 disciples, kind of like a... Like, like a football coach, right? A football coach who, who's gathered his team around him right before the play. And, and he's got his disciples huddled around him and he's given them the play before he sends them out to be those harvesters in the field. He's giving them all of their instructions before he sends them out for the very first time. And the instructions that he gives to them are instructions that he gives to us. The disciples being sent still today. Now, we are going to read all of chapter 10 here this morning. I hope that maybe you'll go back later on tonight for your devotions and read all of chapter 10. So we're going to read bits and pieces of it. Um, But we can't skip verse 1. Because verse 1 starts, Jesus starts by laying out the very same foundation that he gives us in Matthew 28. Listen to what he says. It says that Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So Jesus makes it clear what their purpose is. They're sent into this world, but it's not coincidence that the word that he uses here for them is the same one he uses in Matthew 28. He says, I send you with authority. You're sent into the world with the authority of Jesus Christ. It's exactly how he sends us in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so go. Go. So you and I need to know, as these disciples needed to know, first of all, that we are sent by God himself into this world with the power and authority of Jesus Christ within us. Never lose that sight of that, right? First of all, God never intended us to stay safely gathered and huddled here in this building, He didn't intend his 12 disciples to stay in the huddle. He huddles them together for the purpose of sending them out. He huddles us together in the safety and security of this community so that we might be sent out. And he doesn't send us out unequipped. He sends us with his power. He sends us with his authority to serve and to speak in his name. So we can go out into this often dangerous world around us, yes, But we can go with confidence to be Jesus' heart, to be Jesus' hands, to be Jesus' feet. Because we go with his authority. We go with his spirit in us. Okay, so he huddles them up. He says, you have my authority. You have my power, my spirit to go. And then he goes on in this chapter to give some very specific and practical instructions on what it means to be sent. He's told us the what. We're sent into the world on his behalf with his authority. Next, he gives instructions on who we are sent to. And it's interesting for me as I studied this this week to, to see the shift between Jesus' first sending here in Matthew 10 and his second sending in Matthew 28. So look at, look at verses 5 through 8 with me. This is the heart of the instructions that, that Jesus gives to his disciples. It says, these 12, he just named them all, these 12 Jesus sent out, with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. So here, Jesus takes these 12 and he sends them to the people of Israel, to God's Old Testament covenant people and to no one else. At the very start, he's still working under the Old Testament covenant law, right? So, so they go to the people of Israel set apart for him. But all of that changes following his death and resurrection, When Jesus walked out of the tomb alive three years later on that first resurrection morning, it signaled a profound shift from the Old Testament covenant focused on Israel alone and based on the blood of the lambs sacrificed at the temple. And it all shifts now to the New Testament covenant. The New Testament covenant that includes all people no matter their race, no matter their gender, no matter their nationality. And that's based on the blood of the one Lamb of Jesus Christ offered once and for all by Jesus on the cross. So when Jesus sends us in Matthew 28, it's no longer the Old Testament covenant. It's no longer just the people of Israel. Now, if you remember what we read, we're sent to make disciples of all nations, all people. That's why we as a church, we are, we're sending. We send people to Japan, and we are sending people to Nicaragua, and we're sending people to Romania, and we're sending people to Uganda, and we're sending people all throughout the United States. We're sending them, serving people all over the world because we are to go to all nations, to all people. But that's also why you and I go into our own city and we go into our own neighborhoods, and we go into our own schools and our own workplaces because no one is outside the reach of God's saving grace. No one is outside of our calling to love and serve in Jesus' name. You never lock eyes with anyone Who God hasn't called his church, his community, to go to in his name. To serve and to love in his name. All people. And then Jesus goes immediately then to make make their purpose and our purpose very clear. Why is he sending us? He's sending us as his disciples into this broken world for two purposes. We've already been invited and challenged on the first purpose, right? So in verse 8, he says, Go and heal the sick and raise the dead and drive out demons in my name. And often we read that and and we get confused by, by the miraculous powers implied by these purposes, right? How are we supposed to heal the sick? How are we supposed to raise the dead? How are we supposed to drive out demons, Well, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to go to the people that God has brought into our lives. And we're supposed to meet them with the heart of Jesus and with the hands of Jesus. We're supposed to feel their deep brokenness and to feel their deep need and to help them then to experience the wholeness and the wellness that comes from Jesus in any way possible, however God calls us to do that. That wholeness might be to bring physical healing and support. That wholeness might be bringing emotional healing and support. That wholeness might be bringing spiritual wholeness and support. We are called to serve this world around us, these individuals around us, profoundly and sacrificially, just like Jesus did. Okay, that's the first purpose that we have to have. But Jesus gives a second purpose that we cannot ignore. And we often are tempted to ignore this one. Because we are also sent to speak. To be his voice. Speaking truth. And speaking love. And bringing God's offer of salvation. So in verse 7... Jesus commands his disciples, and he commands us, his disciples, today. He says, Proclaim this message the kingdom of heaven has come near. So we cannot ignore this command to add our voice to our actions because we have good news to proclaim. Right? That's what the word gospel means it means good news. And if you think about it, if you truly believe it, we have the best news ever to share, right? We have the news that we can be forgiven and set free from sin. We bring the news that you can be made right with God. We bring the news that we can enter into a relationship with the almighty God of the universe, both now and forevermore. We have the news that we can bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth here and now and to our lives, We have the good news that we can experience God's great love and mercy right here, right now. Our good news, Jesus says, needs to go hand in hand with our good actions. If we don't voice the saving truth of Jesus, then our actions are in danger of becoming hollow and empty. I learned, that. I learned that early in my preaching career. Right? Following one of my early sermons, which I don't preach anymore. I feel sorry for those who had to hear my early sermons. But there was a sermon I thought was really put together well, and I was pretty proud of it. And my mentor, I was debriefing with my mentor about it afterwards, and, and he very appropriately said this. I can still remember him saying it. He said, that was a great sermon. could have been preached in any Jewish synagogue that you wish today. It was a perfectly well-developed sermon, but I never got around to what really matters. I never got to the New Testament. I never got to Jesus. And isn't Jesus and the grace that comes from the cross really what it's all about? And In the same way, our, our hands of service, we can be the hands of Jesus to the world around us in profoundly loving and sacrificial ways, And never get around to Jesus. Never communicate the hope of Jesus. Jesus says the good news must go hand in hand with good deeds. And what he wants, what we hear in this chapter, is he wants that good news to explode out into the world around us. He's not looking for it to be real subtle. Okay, that's what he tells his disciples in in verses 26 through 31. He knows in in between times, he tells them there's going to be opposition. There's going to be trouble. It's not going to be simple to speak the truth. But he he says this to them. He doesn't want them to back down. Pick it up at verse 26. He says, do not be afraid of them, the, the enemies who will stand against them. Do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, now picture, again, picture Jesus huddled up with his disciples, right? They're huddled together. He's given them the instructions. No one else is listening. And here, verse 27, he says to them, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What's whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs, Jesus is saying to you and to me, what God tells us in this room, right here, right now, must explode outside of these walls to a world that is desperate to know the love and the grace that we talk about right here. The message of acceptance and forgiveness that God speaks to you and to me, maybe in the quiet of your personal devotional times, Right? That message of love and, expe- and acceptance needs to explode outside of our lives to the lives of the people who need to know that they are forgiven, that they are loved, and that they are accepted. And the salvation message that God has whispered into your ears needs to explode outside this building and be boldly proclaimed to a world that is desperate for a reason to hope. Jesus tells them, he tells us, he says, shout it from the rooftop. He calls for a bold, public proclamation of his truth. Now, shouting from the rooftop was common practice in that first century. It's how you made a public announcement. Right, You got good news. I don't, whatever that good news is, maybe you're grandpa and grandma for the very first time. Maybe you're a parent and you want the whole world to know. They would climb up to their rooftop, which were flat roofs, and they would shout it. And the, the whole neighborhood, maybe the whole city, would hear your good news proclaimed from the rooftop. Now, I don't think that Jesus is calling you and me to literally climb on our rooftops right now today. First of all, mine's pretty steep. And with my cane, I'm not sure I'd get up there in the first place. If I did, I'd probably fall right off. And I'm not sure my neighbors would appreciate me this afternoon getting up and yelling towards their open window if they have an open window. So I don't think he's calling us to literally yell from our rooftops. But I do believe that every single one of us in this room has a rooftop. That we have a platform in life that God has given to us for the purpose of speaking good news of Jesus. And so my invitation to you right now is to think about what your rooftop is. What your platform is. Mindy already shared one of them with us, right? That that friend of hers who's student at, at East Grand Rapids Elementary School, he chose the school hallway to be his rooftop. And so he puts his magnet on the locker, proclaims to everybody there, I love Jesus. There's his platform. And maybe school is your platform for everyone here, maybe, but maybe especially for those of you who have, who have chosen public or charter schools, right? And you make connections and friendships and God gives you the opportunity then to share your story, to boldly speak the good news of Jesus, there's your rooftop, there's your platform. Maybe your rooftop is someplace where you're already serving with your hands, right? So because you serve the homeless with family promise, Or because you volunteer at the hospital. Or because you decide to rake your elderly neighbor's leaves every fall. However it is, because you invest deeply in someone's life, you have the chance to share why you serve. To boldly speak the truth of Jesus Christ. God has given some of you great athletic skills. Right, that our culture highly values and celebrates. And because of your skill, maybe the court or the field or the swimming pool becomes your platform. Maybe with how you behave, opens up the door for you to then boldly speak the good news of Jesus. Or maybe your ability is with a musical instrument, or maybe with a, a camera, or maybe with, by fixing things or building things. Whatever your ability is, maybe that's your platform. And it opens up the door for you to speak good news of Jesus. Maybe it's your job at work. Maybe God's giving you a leadership position at work. And you choose to lead with integrity, to lead with generosity. And when people ask you, why why do you make those decisions? Why are you so generous? You have a platform, a rooftop to speak the good news of Jesus. Maybe God's allowed you to work with children at the hospital or at a school, maybe. And you care for them deeply. And when they ask why you care so much, the door is open for you to speak Jesus. Maybe God's given you a job where you, where you simply obey God's command and you work hard every moment that you're on the clock. You put in your all, even when your coworkers are not putting in their all. And they ask you, why do you work so hard? And the platform has been opened. The rooftop is there for you to speak of Jesus. Maybe God's giving you the personality to connect with all your neighbors. You're the one who knows every neighbor in the neighborhood, right? And it opens up the door for you to care for them. When they wonder why you care, you speak the name of Jesus. Students, maybe the hallway at school is your platform. Maybe it's with the magnet. Maybe maybe it's with your friendship. As you pay attention to those students that no one else pays attention to. As you care for those students whom others choose to maybe abuse and bully. And when you're confronted about why you are different. Why you treat them well. You've been granted the platform to boldly speak the name of Jesus. What's yours? What is your rooftop? Because we have all been given opportunities to be Jesus' voice that we cannot miss. Right in Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul, he quotes the Old Testament. He quotes Joel chapter 2 with this line. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's where we start. I hope that's your desire. I hope hope you share that deep desire that, that everyone around you, that everyone in this world would call in the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. If that's your desire, then the questions that Paul goes on to ask should sink deeply into our hearts. Because he goes on to ask this. He says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? without someone telling them. And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The offer of God's saving grace through Jesus Christ must be heard. And it isn't going to be heard unless you and I speak it. Jesus sends us to serve And to speak. And never forget that what we speak is good news. That's the voice that we, the church, must be. Too often, our words have been anything but good news. Our words heard by the world around us, heard by the people around us, too often they've been words of judgment. Too often, we speak bitter, angry, critical, fearful words to the world around us. Don't forget that Jesus sends us to speak good news, to give an invitation, an invitation to love and forgiveness and grace and welcome and hope. He calls us to speak God's heart of compassion for the children that he loves. And those words... When we're speaking good news, it's a joy to share. So God has given each of you, each of us, a platform, a rooftop, so that you can boldly invite the lonely to find a place to belong, so that you can boldly invite the broken to find a place of wholeness, so that you can boldly invite the hurting to find a place of healing. So that you boldly can invite the lost to find their way back home. So that you boldly can invite the searching to find a savior, to find Jesus. We must be his voice. But Jesus wants you to know one more thing. And you'll read it clearly when you read this chapter later today. Jesus wants you to know that while we are sent with his authority... And while being his voice should bring us great joy, it won't be easy. Okay, You'll read this. You'll, You'll read that Jesus is brutally honest in this chapter. He makes it clear that you and I will face opposition. We will be rejected because of the message we bring. We will be opposed by worldly authorities. We will face abuse. And people we love will deny us, will turn against us because we're speaking the truth. So it won't be easy. But he tells us that we can still set our fear aside because he gives us one thing. What what you'll read when you read chapter 10 later today, and I sure hope you do, the section in the middle that we didn't read, he tells them to go out and not bring anything with them. He says, don't bring any money with you. Don't bring a suitcase with extra clothes. Don't bring a bag with food for your journey. He tells them, go bringing nothing. But then he does give them one thing to take with him as they go. How are they sent? How are we sent? We are sent with courage. That's the one thing Jesus gives courage. He says, trust God in this journey. Trust God enough to go with courage to speak into this broken and dangerous world around us. Jesus says, do not be afraid. We just read that in that paragraph. He says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul. In other words, he says, we should be more afraid about not going than going. We should be more afraid not to speak than to speak. Because when we stay hidden, when we stay silent... We let the powers of evil, Jesus says. We let the powers of Satan rule today. Go unchecked. When we stay hidden and when we stay silent, we concede the spiritual battle. You and I are sent by God to speak good news from the rooftops that he has given us. He's given us his authority. He's given us his courage to be his heart and to love like Jesus loved. And to be his hands and to serve like Jesus served. And to be his voice now. To speak his invitation of love and grace. You know, I'm so thankful for the people of Ivanrest Church who have answered God's call to be sent literally all around the world. You know, I struck just this week as I was preparing this of how more and more Ivanrest members are saying yes to being sent. Right? From Angie to Tim and Renee to Jared and Susan to Michael. And I began wondering this past week, I wonder who's going to be next. I wonder who God's going to ask to go next. And then Saturday I get an email from the next young couple saying, hey, we're applying to be sent. Can you, send, can you be a reference for me? more and more people from right here, from within these walls saying, send me. That's exciting to me. And at the same time, it's exciting to me to think about all of us who stay here at home realizing that we too are sent. That we are sent right here and right now to serve and to speak for Jesus in this place. So here at the end of our world tour, I want to leave all of us disciples here with these words from Peter. As sent disciples of Jesus Christ, he says to us, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason For the hope that you have. And do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to speak from the rooftop. So find your rooftop. And from there, don't be afraid to speak the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? What an honor, Father, and how humbling. To know that we, your church, are your plan to reach out to this broken and hurting world. You have designed the restoration of this world to work through us. Through your spirit moving in our hands and in our voices. And so we ask, first of all, that you'd forgive us when we, are, when we have been too timid to serve or to speak. And I ask that you'd fill us with courage to know that we are sent with your authority and your power. Open up our eyes, Father, to the rooftop platforms that you give to each one of us. And when you give us the opportunities then from that that rooftop to speak your name, to speak the good news, of your salvation grace, give us the words to speak. Give us the courage to stand up for you and use us. What a privilege. Use us to bring your kingdom here to this place. In Jesus' name we pray.